When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Shakespeare once said, what's past is prologue, and that is the theme of today's podcast on the Mushroom Society with Coach Bob Wiley and our guest today, Tom McDaniels. And Coach Wiley, I'm excited to be talking to Coach McDaniels again. He's been on the podcast twice. One time we talked about why high school football matters. Another time we talked about a presentation he gave and and shared some of the details of that and how to become a head coach. I'll link both of those in the show notes. Tremendous conversations with him. But today we're going to take a look at an idea that popped up a couple weeks ago when we were talking to Al Saunders and and just how learning the game has changed and evolved. And the idea that the past is prologue, I think, is something we need to look at some of the things we used to do and figure out how we could bring them into today's digital world. Because I don't think this is a criticism of any of the young coaches out there and how you learn the game. But in the way that we've learned to become more efficient, we've lost some of the things that we had before. So, Coach, I'm excited to talk about this. You and I talk about coach education all the time and how we learn the game. And uh, certainly we're excited to have Coach McDaniels join us today as well. Tom is one of the smartest football coaches that I've ever been around. He understands the game. He understands the chemistry of the game. He understands the X's and O's of the game, the dealing with people, the whole realm of football in itself. And I was very fortunate to meet Tom back in the early 80s when I was recruiting Ohio. And I would go into school and, and sit down and watch film in his office down at, at McKinley High School. And it was one of my favorite stops of the week because Tom would put us in a direction because there was no recruiting services that you could have all these kids. You you had to go turn over the rock. You had to go into the school. You had to talk to the coach, the guidance counselor. You had to get a transcript. You had to, you know, now they got all these recruiting services that to do all this stuff for you. Okay. So we had to do it the old fashioned way. And, and Tom was really, really helpful in understanding what we had to do you know, as college coaches to get guys recruited. And it was a wonderful part of me meeting Tom. And the relationship has lasted since the early 80s. We still talk football. I've had him on uh, one of the uh, podcasts that we did up in Canada. Or if we get on with a bunch of coaches that are just meeting together, I asked Tom. Tom would come to the mushroom clinic and sit and listen to all the line coaches so he was always, and he still is, 
in a quest for knowledge about the game. If he sees something and he doesn't know it or understand it as well as he should, he's going to go research it. He may not be coaching, but he's going to go find the answer on why this is happening. That's the kind of people that you like to surround yourself with, guys that have that type of passion for the game. And and it's really a pleasure, okay, to call Tom my friend. It really is. Thank you. That that that's very kind. Now now Keith, you can relate to this. Once those recruiters came in and we answered their questions about prospective college candidates, then it was our turn to ask the questions because every one of those turned into a mini clinic for me. You know, whether it was Bob Ligashevsky or whether it was Bob White, it didn't matter who it happened to be, you know, when they came in, you know, once we satisfied their needs in terms of information, you know, then I was posing questions to them about what they did and how they did it and why they did it. And it was an informal clinic. So there was great give and take. And that's how I grew as a football coach. I I give all of those guys a lot of credit. You know, I didn't know what cover four was. It wasn't in high school yet. And I learned that from those guys. And and we became a cover four team, you know, from one season to the next. And I'd never even heard of it, didn't know how to coach it. And that was in the 90s. But I learned that from these guys when they came in to recruit. You had some guys coming in there now. Like Saban would be through there. Jimmy Bowman would be through there. I mean, there's a lot of guys that came through that school because Tom always had good players that were Division I guys. And, And if I didn't have them, I played against him, and I knew where to send you next. (laughs) He saved me a a lot of driving. (laughs) I think it's an an interesting time. Certainly, we look at what the pandemic did to accelerate things like video conferencing and meeting with people in either small groups or one-to-one and clinicking that way. And those opportunities are still there. But somewhere, I think it was around 2009, the film room got broken out of the box. And it was on our laptops, it was at home, it was really soon after that on our phones, and it's still there. And so we have all this football knowledge at our fingertips. The film's available. You, You can find whatever you want somewhere. I heard Mike McDaniel at the Dolphins saying, you know, you want to know what I'm doing? It's easy. You can find my playbook somewhere. Somewhere somebody's selling that. Those things are out there, right or wrong. You're able to get the knowledge pretty easily now, but there was something to the way that we did it before and the education that informally went along with that, whether that was sitting in the room with a bunch of guys who came to recruit and uh, you're, you're talking ball with them and looking at film with them or just with your own staff on a Saturday morning, you know, the high school guys sitting down and grading that film because there was either one projector or or one VHS deck, and everybody was sitting and watching that one tape because, I mean, even the the process of of copying a VHS tape, you still had to wait hours. So, you know, we went from those very time-consuming things because you'd have to sit around with a bunch of people and everybody had to be served in what they were doing to breaking it out and having it individually. But I think, this, as I said, came up in a conversation we were having a, a couple weeks ago what we lost was all the things that go along with that and how you're able to learn the game from all these different perspectives of everybody sitting in the room because now we're off on our iPad or our laptop in our own office somewhere else off the campus doing it ourselves. I agree with that. I don't ever remember, and I had a lot of lunches and dinners with Tom over the years, 
every place we sat down, it's Tom and myself having a lunch together. And by the time we left there, we had all the napkins on the table written on and drawn on with plates. Some of those napkins were linen too, Bob, you know? <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> I'm not actively coaching now, but I attended OTAs in the spring and I attended practice in August. And I learned things there that I wish I had a team to return to because I wanted to apply several things that I learned just by watching practice. And it would have been, I learned to do the high school version of what people did in college, and I learned to do the high school version of what people did in the NFL once I had access to the NFL. But as, as recently as, as last May and June and, and last August, I came home with things that I would incorporate into a practice, incorporate into a drill, share with my staff, because you know I saw something that I wish I had done my whole career, and I'm learning it at 73. Uh, and I think there's something good about that. There's something bad about that. <laughs> we may not be building, you know, rocket ships that go to Mars, but there's a lot in this very dynamic game that involves all aspects of it from, you know, working on the human side of things with the individuals that we coach, the people behind those X's and O's to the X's and O's themselves and all the techniques that are required to make them work. And it's something, you know, heading back to kind of the, the main premise here, there were a lot of things we would pick up informally. And there's certainly, when we talk about kids becoming specialized in sports today, or as coaches, we've become specialized. I know, I know quite a few younger coaches who actually never coached anything on the other side of the ball. And even if you uh, were only coaching one side of the ball, you were sitting down with all these guys, you know, like I said, every Saturday morning or whatever it might have been, watching film, evaluating film, grading film, and learning from each other in the different things that you were seeing, right? There was that process where all these minds were coming together. And I think if we look at maybe what are some of the things, and, and you know, I think it, it's going to take some creativity. It's, it's going to take discipline on the part of, of everybody to take time and sit down and do those things. But we would learn so much from each other in that process. You know, being a young coach, you know, thinking back to it, how much did you absorb just sitting in the room without ever coaching any of those other positions. I mean, I still have, I don't know why, but I have boxes full of notebooks from all the years I coached still sitting in, in my garage stacked up. I mean, it, it was that accumulation of knowledge. That way, I know it's easier now, it's digital, it's on our phones, but whether it's digital now or, or in those old notebooks, the interaction, I think, still needs to be an important part of it. I agree. And that presentation I made to the, that coaching class in Mount Union, I encourage those guys as young coaches to major in something and to minor in something else. You know, so, so maybe you major in running backs, but you're going to minor in linebackers. Once you get a knowledge base, then become a double major and a double minor and expand that and go major in O-line play and major, you know, get a minor in secondary play. And one other thing, and this is going back to 1972, I'm a, you know, right out of college and coaching for Mo Tipton at Orville, and I'd work all week, and I had to scout game time. I went to the next opponent with another young coach. We never got to see the first nine games. We only got to see game 10 because we were sent to scout the next opponent. And being forced to scout, that was a marvelous learning experience at the time, even though I hurried back 
from a, a nearby scouting uh, assignment to, to catch the end of the game. That's definitely a lost art, the live scout and all the things you would do in a live scout to getting as close to that fence as you could to hear what is their cadence sure. and writing that down to really spotting like, okay, you know, this this guy's been limping around all all uh, night. He's probably not going to play next week, et cetera. All those kinds of things that you pick up that, you know, we, we take it for granted today. I mean, how many, even coach, I'm, I'm sure we've all done this, you know, meeting somebody to exchange the film, right? Like that was an actual thing. Oh yeah. You always wanted to meet at a kind of a, a place that was halfway between where you are and where they are. And you pick a spot and you get to that spot and, you know, it, it, it was really, you know, who was the film guy that was going to go do that? Or who was the GA that you would send out? Or, you know, that, that was a, a process in itself. And now you can get the information right to your phone. You don't even have to yeah. leave the house. Right. When we were at McKinley, and, and it was true in Warren Hardy, too, we often had Saturday games. We were an independent. And, and so we practiced five days a week. The Friday practice was short. And then I dispatched the staff to two or three different opponents to, to scout their Friday night game. It was advanced scouting, always the next opponent and probably the next two. And if we played Friday nights, you know, we played a lot of parochial schools and a lot of those guys played on Saturday nights because they were sharing stadiums with somebody. So, you know, that experience of being a young coach and being sent to scout on game night, uh, you know, I believed in that even as a, as a head coach. You know, I love to see opponents live before we had the plan. There's a lot, lot to be said for that. My first job was at Cleveland Central Catholic High School. So some of, some of the teams would play Friday. Some would play Saturday afternoon. Some would play Saturday night. Yep. And, I mean, yep. the, the weekend was taken up with that. But it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. It, it was, again, you know, that, that learning along the way, too. It wasn't just sit and watch the game, right, and learning – you know, I, I remember being with, uh, he was my high school coach, and then I worked for him when he was the head coach at Central Catholic, Joe Gressock, and just him, you know, sitting with us, a group of, of younger coaches, and showing us how to, you know, chart everything and scout the film, and what are we looking for, and here's what you need to see on this particular play. Here's what, how you distinguish between this and that. Like, man, all those things was, it was a lot of fun to do it that way. Not that I would want to go back to it if I was coaching today, because I, I do think there's something to be said about the efficiency in which we're able to do things today. And, and uh, although <laughs> I would say this, that, boy, we still find a way to put the hours in in the office, right? So even though we become more efficient at things, it doesn't seem like the workflow has, has changed a little bit. We've just filled it with other activities. I think all the stuff that goes into preparation of becoming a head football coach, all those experiences, all of talking to different people, dealing with different aspects of the game in, in a different way. All that information and all that stuff goes in to preparing you to sit in that seat. Now, Tom can answer this a lot better than I can. Once you sit in that seat, it's on-the-job training. I mean, you can read all the books you want. You can talk to all the people you want, but You've got to see, and you've got to make decisions on the spot. And you can't say, well, like, come back in a couple of days, and then you got looking through Vince Lombardi's book to see, what, what would Vince Lombardi do in this case? You don't do that. You're going to do it the way you see it and the way you best see it that fits the team and the, your assistant coaches and the school. You, unless you experience it, 
you really don't know. Is that is that about correct or close to it, Tom? I think that's correct. And it takes me back to, you know, to grading film with the other coaches in the same location at the same time. One of the most important things a head coach has to be able to do as soon as possible is to coach his coaches. And I learned about all the other position groups, you know, as a young guy sitting in that squad room, you know, grading film and and dissecting, you know, our film and, and the next opponent's film with all those other guys. Certainly we're coaching kids, but a head coach has to be able to coach his coaches and not do their job for them. But if they've got a question, you know, it's about offensive line play. You got to have a, a basic understanding and, and, and able to, to provide an answer or if it has to do with, you know, the other side of the ball. So young head coaches that are assistants aspiring to be head coaches, you need to learn as much as you can about all the positions on offense, defense, and special teams as you can because in some instances, a head coach, you're going to have to coach up or correct or suggest or answer a question for one of the guys in your staff. Coach McDaniels, looking at things from your perspective, which I think is a very interesting one. Obviously, your son Josh is the, the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, your son Ben is the passing game coordinator and receivers coach for the Houston Texans. Those guys have climbed through the ranks. You've coached uh, a ton of high school football at an elite level. And you said, you know, I don't have a team to take it back to now, and you're picking up these things. So looking at what we used to do, looking at the advances there have been in technology and, you know, how those guys are doing it at the highest level, if you were to sit back down in, in that seat at the high school level, the head coach seat, what would you do to blend, I guess, the best of, of the past with the efficiencies that we currently have with all the different technologies? I might consent to guys grading their players in the most recent game by themselves, but I would do what, what Bob suggested. That I, I think then that we ought to have to come in and view the game together. And I don't know if that's happening. I don't know. I, I don't know if, if, if they're just asking guys to grade their players and come in the next day and then report the grades. I'm sure they have to sit down and, and, and watch the film you know, with the team and, and with their, their player group. But I think I would sign off on letting them grade it individually, but I'd also require that they come in and then view the game film together as an offensive group, defensive group, special teams group, and get input and get comments and, and gain understanding from the other guys who did the same thing the night before. I, I would try you to know, vary those two approaches. The people that you hire, you like to have them have the same passion that you have. Forget about time, guys. We got this. This is what we need to do to get this done. That's the way I've always approached the profession myself. Right? You need to get this done. Don't worry about the time on it. You find no bunch of guys that have that same thought process as you do. And right with it, they enjoy doing all the film work. Okay, and they enjoy getting together because, like Tom was saying. That's where a lot of the ideas come from when you're sitting down watching the film and somebody says something, whoa, how about if we did this on this formation here? And you can't do that if you go home and work by yourself and never get together. Right. That, that You're losing a, a great part of the preparation for the game by not being able to do that, okay, or not 
You know, some guys, well, I don't have time. I got to do this. I got to do this. And, you know, I got to take my wife out to dinner. You got to forget all that stuff. You know, <laughs> but you do this first, okay? And then we get time and this family time. And the, I think the really good head coaches, you know, I you know, I work for, I, I worked with Sam for a number of years. Sam Weiss, excuse me, God rest his soul. Okay. And he was very cognizant of the family. And it's always Dick Duran. And if you had a kid that was playing sports and you want to go watch his game, go watch his game. But you still come back and had to do your work. There's a process, I think, that the head coaches have to go through where they got to also, you know, understand like the guy has got a family and he's got to have so much family time. And you know what I mean? And then he has the football time. And Virginia Howes, when I was leaving the Bears, came in my office, got. Now, Virginia Howes is going to be 100 years old. Right right now, she's 100. She's still a monarch in the NFL. People don't realize that. She's the number one monarch in the National Football League. Her father started the NFL. She still owns the Chicago Bears. When I was leaving, she used to leave pretzels on my desk during the week with these little him and pretzels, individually wrapped things. And so she came in, and she had a sign in her, under her arm. Right? And I said, I think, she said, Bob, I think, I think my dad would have really liked you right, if you had a chance to work with him or for him. Right? And I said, I think he wants you to have this. And it was a, a sign that says there's three things important in your life, your family, your religion, and the Chicago Bears. You know what I mean? And I think the head coach has to keep that in mind all the time, dealing with all the assistants and the players. Now, how much time you devote to each one and then still have time to be a competent, effective football coach, that's decisions that you have to make individually. How many guys spend too much time with football and end up losing their marriage, getting divorced and stuff like that there because they spend all that time chasing the, the next technique or the next miracle play that you're going to design that's going to make everything work that, that really doesn't exist. Yeah. I think Tom can elaborate more than I can on it. You're correct in everything that you say. I know that I'm a terrible golfer, so so I, I wasn't spending four hours playing 18 holes of golf when, when I could have been home. And, and I didn't play cards. And I wasn't a guy that, that you know, stopped to have a, a beverage on the way home a whole lot. So when I wasn't coaching or teaching, I was home. I was the all-time pitcher in those neighborhood games in my backyard. I never got the bat, but I was the pitcher. Or, or I was the all-time quarterback in those neighborhood games in my backyard. They always were in my backyard where we happened to live. So I'd come home from a, a fall practice, and I was doing one of those others more often than not in the backyard. So I, I, I think that you know that's a choice we have to make, too. And I don't regret doing that. I don't regret that I was part of my kids' lives before they played with me and played for me. In looking at that, Coach, and again, the idea that the knowledge is easy, we got it at our fingertips, all kinds of film and clinics and playbooks. I mean, everything now is very easy to get. And you have these younger guys who, you know, are extremely hungry to learn those, and they're learning that on their own. Putting yourself in that seat and, and guiding those those guys to – become all they can be in this profession, be the best coaches they can be, but have all those other aspects as we've been talking about here. How would you guide that individual through the, the process where 
He's getting everything he, he can in the X's and O's, all of those things there, but, but also the other parts of, of what he needs to be a fully rounded out coach, right? As well as, you know, taking care of the other parts of his life as well. I interrupt. I think the quest for knowledge is fantastic. You need to have that passion to go get the knowledge and stuff. Okay, that's great. But this podcast, we say get it from the chalkboard to the garage. That, I think, is one of the most important aspects. If you, you may be able to know it, draw it up on the board and talk about it, but you better be able to teach it. And you better be able to teach it in a way that they understand it. That's a great point. And kids growing up the way they're growing up now, we have to be able to teach the way that they're learning now. You know, And that's not the way it was maybe back in the 70s and the 80s. You know, We had a different teaching teaching methodology but we got to be current and i think that's a great point that bob made one of the answers that i would offer to that that question is that you need to marry well because not everybody can be a great coach's wife and i'm dead serious when i mentioned this because i married well and i had a great coach's wife and she still is if i wasn't at a clinic in the off season on the weekend she thought maybe i'd lost my passion for the game i have two daughters-in-law that married the two sons that are in the NFL. And I had this conversation with them prior, each of them at different times in life, prior to their wedding day. And I said, number one, your, your husband-to-be loved football before he loved you. And that's just the reality. And, and so when he leaves at 5.30 in the morning and he comes home at 11 o'clock at night, you know, he, he, he loves that time. You know, he, he doesn't love that he's away from you, but he loves that time. And, and he's, he's going to devote that much time to his job. And the other thing is you're going to get fired and you're going to have to move. They looked at me like I was crazy. And again, this is prior to their wedding day. They don't look at me like I'm crazy now. <laughs> but but both, both sons married well. They've got wives that are, that, are, that, are, that are handling the time away from home, the time away from the family about as well as it can be done. Right. And the other thing, I think you find a, a, a wife that she is the type of person that can be independent without you. Correct. She doesn't need you to survive. The marriage is good together because you want to be together. But if it was, if she was by herself, she could still make it because she's going to be by herself a lot. Chris became really knowledgeable. That's my wife. You know, and if we were playing a team that played cover four, you know, she might ask me after the game, she said, okay, you knew they were a cover four team, but you didn't call the cover four beater until late in the first quarter. Why'd you do that? <laughs> so, so I had to be on my toes. She knew the difference between cover two and cover four. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. To wrap things up here, Coach, certainly I think a lot of uh, good insight into the game and learning the game and, and growing in this profession and again, from your perspective, with two sons who have, have made it to the highest level, you yourself obviously have, have done an outstanding job and part of the Ohio High School Football Coaches Hall of Fame. Without a doubt, you've, you've done an excellent job in this game as well. And, you know, again, the perspective of, of all the things, right, looking back on how you did it growing up, how you learned the game, and some of the best things there, as well as what you're seeing today. I guess your your top three things for a coach to be able to make it in this profession today and excel at whatever level he might be at, whether that's high school, college, or pro. 
be a lifelong learner of the sport and of the game. What we did in 72 and, and what I knew in 72 is not what, what I know now. Uh, and, and it never remained the same for very long. So, so I think you have to be, if you're going to be a guy that's going to be a longtime football coach, you've got to be a lifelong learner. There may be some things, the basic fundamental things that you, they were there at the beginning and they were there at the end of my time. But I, I think you have to be willing to, to adjust and, and learn as the game changes. That, that would be number one. Number two would be you got to be a communicator, and that's whether you're the one asking the question to get an answer for or whether you're the one that's sharing the information. There's no such thing as communicating too often, too much, and, and you got to communicate in, in every way that's possible. The more often that you can leave no doubt about what the expectation happens to be for what's coming next, you know, the, the better the, the, the result and the outcome is, is going to be. You know, we're talking about coaching but it's really all about the players. You have to do whatever you can to make them succeed. So don't put them in situations where they're not equipped, you know, to do the thing that you're asking them to do. You have to modify and you have to tailor what you do, you know, to, to what they're capable of doing. I think those three things would be critically important if, if somebody wants to have a long, successful career in coaching football. I'd have a fourth thing too, Keith, and, and that is there's no such thing as too much individual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. Yeah, there's no such thing as too much individual. Well, you're you're speaking of the right group here in offensive line coaches. I'll coach for you. I'll hire me, I'll coach for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, I really uh, appreciate the perspective today, Coach McDaniels. Thank you for, for joining us and, and sharing your knowledge from the you know, years of doing it yourself as what as well as what you've been able to watch your sons do here uh, as always it's been an outstanding conversation i appreciate that so much and and, and this, just understand something about bob wiley there is no mushroom society without bob wiley the o-line <laughs> clinic in cincinnati that look at what he's done to contribute to people's education about the game of football that that's that's unmatched and and uh and you know that's why i was the only quarterback coach head coach sitting in that group of offensive linemen for all those years. I learned a lot there. And we enjoyed having you. Thank you very much. Thank you, pal. Be sure to check out the Cool Clinic channel on CoachTube. That's coachtube.com slash coolclinic. You're able to get all the talks from the past two years when we had to go virtual with the Cool Clinic. We've been adding talks from coaches like Howard Mudd, Dan Badrad Radakovich, Alex Gibbs, and we'll continue to add past Cool Clinic talks on the channel as well. Again, that's coachtube.com slash coolclinic. Follow the Mushroom Society on Twitter at the Cool Clinic. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.